Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stack in the Box. I'm Matt Verger. I'm alongside Josh Hill, and we finally did it. We're finally here. Week 17, the NFL season. We're recording this on a Wednesday because of the Christmas holiday and my harrowing ride back from New York to Chicago. We don't have to get into that. So, Josh, we've seen all the Week 16 games. Uh, no games going to be played until Sunday when all of them are played in the afternoon. What did you learn in Week 16? What was your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway was all of the things, all the positive things I thought about the San Francisco 49ers this year when they weren't winning games is going to end up paying off big time next year. Garoppolo, say what you will about the 49ers not being a good team because they're not. There's a reason that they were as bad as they were. But Garoppolo and that offense, they hung 44 points on what is probably the best defense going into the playoffs. And that should not, you don't sleep on that. That was incredible. And it was a, it wasn't accidental. It wasn't like the Jaguars weren't playing for anything. They were still playing for a first round bye. And Jimmy Garoppolo, undefeated as a starter still, 6-0 going back to his, his Patriot days, looked unbelievable. And we've talked about it in the office before, that team's going to have about $115 million in cap space to spend. Garoppolo's an attractive piece. Shanahan is going to be an attractive recruiter. That team is going to be really, really good. Everybody's looking for next year's Rams, and they're saying, oh, it's Chicago. It's going to be this team. You don't even have to look outside the NFC West. I think it's going to be San Francisco. Yeah, look, San Francisco, I'm with you. I wrote my stack in the box, went out on Christmas morning, and I, I talked about Jimmy Garoppolo and how good they are offensively. All of a sudden, under Garoppolo, look, they haven't lost a game, as you mentioned. Uh, they're 5-10. and 10. And they might be the most exciting 5-10 and 10 team I can ever remember. There are going to be people lining up for season tickets immediately for, for a team that's going to have a top 10 pick in the draft. That doesn't happen too often. Uh, I think it was a stroke of genius by Lynch to get him. I thought it was a really smart move at the time. They have a second-round pick, so they keep that first rounder, which is so valuable. And on top of that, look, it also opens up more avenues. Now, like I, if I'm them, I tag Garoppolo. You get another year, you get to see him for a full season. And they can afford it. They have over $110 million in projected cap space. They can now sign some other guys around Garoppolo, who's created a lot of intrigue, a lot of buzz, and other players around the league are going to be excited to go play with him. And you open up that first-round pick, which is going to be a quarterback. You were either going to draft a quarterback or spend $30 million a year on Kirk Cousins. Now, you don't have to do either. And that first-round pick can be a big-time left tackle. It can be a big-time pass rusher or a wide receiver. Maybe it's Calvin Ridley. So... I think for the 49ers, uh, the Garoppolo thing is good in so many different ways. And I'm really excited about them. Look, I think the NFC West next year could be about the Rams and the 49ers after years and years and years of it being about Seattle and to a lesser extent, Arizona. I just want to throw this hypothetical out there. What if the 49ers are the team that goes out there and gets Le'Veon Bell and adds him to that offense? Ooh, that, I like that. That'd be good. That would be real good. Because he, he's such a good pass guy trying to the backfield as well. I think the Steelers are going to let Le'Veon Bell walk after this year. Look, not because he's not a great player. Of course he is. But he turned out an extremely lucrative contract by all accounts. Uh, you know, played the, on the franchise tag. And you could say, look, he'll play on the tag again. I don't think that's going to happen. The Steelers have some financial decisions they've got to make with some players. Uh, I think Bell, they've ridden him into the ground this year. I, I think you know, typically that franchise, they're not afraid to let guys walk. Uh, and if he, went, if he went to San Francisco, if he leaves Pittsburgh and he goes to the 49ers, you're adding arguably the most dynamic offensive player in the league uh, to an offense with, with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. Yeah, it, it'd be real interesting because I think their front seven actually has some nice pieces. I think they've got to fix that back end. But with the 49ers, they're, they're going to be very intriguing next season. What about you? What would you take away from Week 16 in the NFL here? 
Uh, a few things. Look, I think, you know, looking around the league, I, I'm worried if I'm an Eagles fan. Because, mm-hmm. I look, I get it. It's one game. And you won the game. Nick Foles looked awful. Nick Foles looked like he looked with the Rams, like he looked with the Chiefs. Nick Foles looked, frankly, like Nick Foles has looked in the last handful of years. That's a concern. Um, it, you know, and he was playing a, a horrific defense. It wasn't like he was playing against a team that said, well, you know, that's a great defense. That, that's an awful defense. So that's, a, that's one thing I took away. And everything I took away was, uh, you know, the Falcons had an opportunity to win a playoff spot and to, and to win that division, or at least get in a position where they would have a shot to win the division. Um, didn't do it, and really just didn't play well. That was kind of disconcerting for me. They lost in New Orleans. Okay, fine. It's no shame there, but didn't play well. And and the third takeaway I have is the ASU wildcard situation, we'll get to, to here in a minute, is really intriguing because with the Ravens, it was an ugly game. They held serve. They beat Indianapolis. Uh, Tennessee is awful. Tennessee mm-hmm. is legitimately awful. I, I know they lost you know to a good team this week at home, but if you're any good, you're playing for everything. You have to win that game. And it's just the same old thing. Mariota, no touchdowns, one pick. He looks mediocre. The defense can't get off the field. I just, you know, Jacksonville plays Tennessee this week. And if Tennessee wins, it's in, in all likelihood, as the number six seed. Uh, and they and we'll draw Jacksonville again. It's locked into the three. If I'm Jacksonville, like, if, if the Jaguars win and they beat the Titans and the Chargers beat the Raiders, who they're going to kill, okay, the Chargers are the six seed. And they go to Jacksonville. If I'm Jacksonville, I am laying down like none other this week. I am playing people out of the stands to make sure I draw the Titans in the playoffs. I, so my takeaway is the AFC wildcard picture is going to be interesting. The Chargers mm-hmm. kept themselves alive against the Jets, but um, yeah, I, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how Philly plays going forward. If the Falcons can rebound against a, a very good Panthers team, and in the AFC. Do, do the Jaguars play because they look so bad against the Niners and they want to get that taste out of their mouth? Or do they lay down because they want to see Marcus Mariota and the Titans come wildcard weekend? I'm very concerned about what I saw from Jacksonville on Sunday. And I'm not talking about giving up 44 points. That was bad. What I'm talking about is after they give up 10 points to Garoppolo and everything's looking like the wheels are falling off, you've got two of your top defensive guys, Aaron Colvin and Malik Jackson, almost fighting each other on the sidelines. And then there was another part, there was another part in the game where, I forget who the receiver was, but Keenan Ricardo, where the receiver's coach goes over to him and basically grabs him around the throat, or not like choking him, but like around the neck, kind of really get into his head. I don't know what's going on in the locker room. I don't know what's going on with all that. You do not want to enter the playoffs with any kind of mental woes going on like that, where... You know, the defense is worked up. You got guys fighting on the sidelines like that. This is, there, there's no margin for error in the playoffs. And we talk about things like, oh, you know, this team's got a really good offense. They got a really good quarterback. They're hitting your, their stride at the right time. All it takes is one thing, one unforeseen thing, a special teams error, a coaching error, problems on the sideline with your star players to derail that. And I think that if there's one thing, everybody's hot about Jacksonville's defense and before Sunday, everybody was tricking themselves into thinking Blake Bortles was a good quarterback again. Yeah, three picks. Right. Aside from Blake Bortles, that's the type of thing that you look at and you're like, ugh. You know, they're up against New England. They're down 13-6. to six. Those guys are fighting on the sidelines in Foxborough. The good night right there. Look, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out with Jacksonville. And that kind of leads into something I want to talk about, which, first of all, Give the playoff scenarios of these teams that are live real quick. Okay, there's six teams right now that are going to be playing for playoff spots come Sunday, two in the NFC, four in the AFC. 
AFC has two spots available, both wild cards. NFC has a wild card spot, the six seed available. Okay. In the NFC, it's very simple. Falcons host Carolina. Carolina is going to be playing for something because Carolina, if it wins and the Buccaneers knock off the Saints, the Panthers win the division. Saints kick down to the five seed. So if Atlanta beats Carolina at Atlanta, they're in. That's it. Falcons are the number six seed. They'll go play either the Saints or the Rams. If the Falcons lose to Carolina, the Seahawks would be in the playoffs if they beat the Cardinals at home. And I think we all expect that to happen. Yes. So it really comes down to do the Falcons win or do they lose. Now, the NFL did a smart thing. Unlike most weeks where most of the games are at 1 o'clock Eastern and then there's a handful of 425, all the games that matter are at 425. Okay? So it's going to be a free-for-all. Now, I, personally, I love it. I think it's exciting. Right. I think it's fun. Okay? You've got, let me see here, you had nine games at 425. So it's going to be fascinating. There's no Sunday night game. There's no Monday night game. There's no games on Thursday or Saturday. That happens. They're in. They're the number six seed. They can only get in as a six. They can't go any higher. Buffalo needs to beat Miami on the road. And it needs, let me think now. Let me just get this straight. They need the Chargers to lose because of the Nathan Peterman game, which what, what a disaster that is. Okay. Uh, it would either need the Chargers and Titans to lose. Or they need the, or they need just the Ravens to lose. They can get in either way, along with a win. Um, so, because they actually, believe it or not, would get in via three-way tie break and all kinds of things. But that's all you need to know. The Bills need to win. They need either just the Ravens to lose, or they need the Titans and the Chargers to lose. Okay. Now, the Titans, they win at Jacksonville. They are in. Uh, that would be, and, and they could move up to the five. If Baltimore were to lose, Tennessee could jump to the five. If Baltimore wins, the highest Tennessee can go is six. They go back to Jacksonville the following week. So I know it's a lot of information. You can't see. It. You're just listening probably in the car, right? But that's that's where you're at. So if you have to try to figure that out again, just go back and listen to it. Um, NFC is very simple. AFC is fairly straightforward. All the divisions are locked up, but that's that's where we are with that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be exciting. I like that they stacked those 425 slots with all these meaningful games because, you know, that's usually when people, they always tease us as like the game of the week and then we end up getting like Cardinals Redskins as the game of the week. And I think this makes up for some of those errors in scheduling. I also like that they didn't, they decided not to schedule a Sunday night game. They were trying to figure out what the flex and then they were just like, nah, we're all right, which actually does us a favor because we don't have to work that way. But uh, it also does a lot of people a lot of favors too because I think last year, it was the Packers and the Bears, and it was just four Packers. Uh, Packers Lions. Packers Lions. That's right. And, and we knew because the Redskins got upset that the both teams were in. So yeah. it was kind of you know, now they're playing for the division, but somewhat anticlimactic. Um, I, for this show, we're going to just we're, we're going to go a lot in the playoff picture and, and teams that are we know we're going to get into the playoffs. So we're very quickly going to run down some of these games here that just frankly don't mean much or anything at all in some cases. And just give you, you know, who, who our picks are. I don't think there's any reason we have to go much deeper than that. Uh, we'll do it now, and then we'll jump back and go further into the playoffs and get into some other things. But uh, let's just rapid fire. The Bears finished their season at Minnesota. Minnesota, a 12-point favorite. They do have the win to, to secure the two seed. Philadelphia is locked up the one. Uh, I think the Vikings lock it up by halftime. Uh, give me the Vikings. I don't, I'll leave them 12 points. I think it's a massacre. 
Yeah, I think the Vikings win here, and I think the takeaway from this is we're going to see a lot of Teddy Bridgewater, which is going to be good. Yep, uh, agreed. Uh, Pittsburgh hosting Cleveland. Pittsburgh's a 10-point favorite. Cleveland, of course, only 15, trying to win that one last game. Uh, don't count on it. The Steelers know that they, they have a bye. You could argue that they already know they're probably going to be the 2 seed because New England's not going to lose to the Jets. Uh, I don't even – frankly, unless the Steelers are everybody and their mother – and even then, I don't know if the Browns will win. I I will take the Steelers. I don't think they'll cover because I think the Browns will probably score some late points. We give them Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm taking Pittsburgh in this one too. Unfortunately for the Browns, well, maybe fortunately for them because they'll be able to throw a parade for going on 16. So disgraceful, disgraceful. Uh, one o'clock game: Dallas and Philly. Dallas favored by two and a half. Philadelphia's nothing to play for. Give me Dallas just because Philly's going to rest everybody. Uh, I think the Cowboys win, uh, but a very disappointing season in Big D. I'm taking the Cowboys to win this one too. One o'clock, a game that we thought might really matter. Now it doesn't matter at all. Green Bay at Detroit. Detroit favored by a touchdown. If you've seen Nick Hunley, or Nick Hunley, might as well be Nick Hunley. Brett Hunley. Uh, if you've seen him, you know where I'm picking. Uh, Detroit minus seven to win big. Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers is terrible. And really, Ted Thompson, the general manager, it's kind of exposed uh, some of the flaws on that roster. That roster without Aaron Rodgers is brutal. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking Detroit to win this one, and low-key, this could be a bowl of who gets fired, Caldwell or McCarthy. Could be. Both teams. I mean, Detroit laying down last week against Cincinnati. That's Holy awful. cow. And, and listen, there was, a, there was an article, a column written about uh, Caldwell's job and how if, you know, if he gets fired, it's a racist situation. Listen, I'm all for at examining stuff from every angle – for making sure that there's not a racist, you know, undertone. Uh, Jim Caldwell's not a good coach. I don't care if he's black, he's white, whatever. He, they've gone to the playoffs two of his four years, which, okay, fine. But they've not won a playoff game. They've regressed every time after they've made the playoffs. And you know what? Had they had beaten Cincinnati and beat Green Bay, they went 10-6 and didn't get in, I'd say, hey, it's a raw deer. He gets fired. It's not fair to him. Beat the Bengals. I mean, how do you go into that game and lose that thing? Cincinnati has quit for two months, and they lose. So in any event, not to get on, I don't think Caldwell is going to get fired, and, and that's fine. I, I think, you know, look, if they don't fire him, that's fine. If they do fire him, I don't have a problem with it. But seven-point favorites this week, I think they'll win because I just think Huntley is terrible. Well, and to, to the point about people freaking out about Caldwell, I think, honestly, if you're looking at it from a logical standpoint of football reasoning, Caldwell can go and they can replace him with Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Carol Austin, which wouldn't be a bad decision to promote him the head coach, who, you know, another coach of color, right there, I mean, that, that, that goes against any kind of it's a racist thing, because I think Terrell Austin's a better coach than Jim Colton. I agree. I'd like to see Austin get that job if it opens up. Um, so, next game, moving on, what a game it is. Houston <laughs> and Indianapolis. Indianapolis, given three and a half point favorites, uh, I'll take the Colts. The, the Texans are brutal. They are so bad. Uh, the, the Colts are not much better, but they're at home. So, 
I'll take them to finish out the season with a win and hurt their draft stock. I'm going to take the Colts to win this one, too. And hopefully this is the end of Bill O'Brien in Houston. It really should be. Uh, all right, biggest line of the week, New England over the uh, Jets for 15 and a half. It's Tom Brady. It's Bryce Petty. It's time to close your eyes if you're a Jets fan and go into that sweet good night. I think the Pats win big. I think this game's over at halftime. We know Belichick typically doesn't rest guys, so they're going to play. Uh, and they'll lock up the one seed. The Jets, I actually, look, I want to give the Jets credit. They fought hard this year. They've played really, really tough. Uh, I, I think Todd Bowles deserves another year. I don't know if he's going to get it, but I think he deserves it. I think, you know, he's been really undersold this year. They had no roster. I mean, people thought they were going to go on 16, and they end up with a handful of wins. Jets did a nice job, it's all things considered, this year, but they lose this week. New England's going to win big. New England's going to win big, too, and I agree with you. Uh, Bowles deserves another year. If for nothing, what he did with that defense. Defensive coach comes in. they got some good pieces there. I think that they're moving forward in a good, good direction. But week 17, no. All right, last, uh, last 1 o'clock game uh, to hit on here. Washington at the Giants. Washington favored by three. Uh, neither team playing for anything. The Redskins trying to get to 8-8. Eight eight. I think they do it with the win. The Giants just can't wait for this miserable season to be over. Landon Collins on the radio. I believe it was on the ESPN radio. Uh, called Eli Apple a cancer on Tuesday. Uh, and, and maybe he's not wrong, but that's that's strong stuff. You don't hear that very often. The Giants are total disarray. Uh, I get to, I think the Redskins win this game. I don't think there's any way the Redskins lose this game. It's They're going to win it. The Giants, they're a mess. And I don't know. I don't know what to say about New York. It's just it's not been good. No. Uh, now, as far as the 4 o'clock game, we'll circle back here to them in a minute. But the, there is one game that has zero implications as far as the playoffs are concerned. And that is uh, Kansas City at Denver. Look, the Chiefs are locked into the four. Andy Reid hasn't commented, at least at the time of this recording, as to whether or not the Chiefs are going to play their starters. Uh, my inclination is that they will not. Most of these guys are going to sit. You're going to see Patrick Mahomes for the first time. He'll probably get his first NFL start. He'll go against a Denver team that's without plenty of players in their own right. Derek Wolfs after the year. Ron Leary. Emmanuel Sanders might play, but what's the point? Uh, Paxton Lynch is going to go in this game. It means nothing. The Chiefs are locked into the four. The only difference is really for Denver draft position and for the Chiefs. You're nine and seven, you're ten and six. I don't think they care. Uh, the Chiefs all of a sudden have been have been red hot lately. Three blowout wins in a row. Um, so, you know, I'm going to take Denver in the game just because I don't think the Chiefs are playing anybody. I think the Chiefs are going to basically play, and, and it's going to look like a preseason game. Um, so I'll take Denver just simply because Denver's going to play most of their starters, and the Chiefs won't. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win because I don't think that. Broncos could fall ass backwards into a win if they tried, especially with Paxton Lynch playing. Oh, I'll tell you right now, oh, if, if the Chiefs go into that game and play nobody, and Denver's playing just about everybody, and Mahomes lights them up, and Lynch is busy throwing for like 90 yards, Elway is going to be sweating something fierce in the press box. That is going to be... like There were so many reports that the Chiefs wanted Paxton Lynch, and so did Dallas, and they both tried to trade up, and, and Denver got him. And, and then he's terrible. And then the Chiefs move up the following year and get Mahomes. And Mahomes goes into this game and lights up the, you know, the, the no-fly zone and, and lynches out there throwing picks to Philip Gaines. That's that's a rough look. Um, but I think, and for the record, I think the Chiefs are a much better team. I just think you know, Denver's going to be playing with some pride. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are so checked out. They don't care. They're probably not even game plan, frankly. They're probably going to be looking at game plan for the Ravens. Um, okay, so... Those are the games that have no playoff implications other than, you know, a little bit of seeding for, like, the Pats and Steelers you know, stuff like that. Now, um, before we get into some deeper stuff about some of these teams that we know are going to be in the playoffs, um, 
want to touch on quick. This is week 17. We know that the way the NFL works, Black Monday is right around the corner. Uh, for those who aren't aware of that lingo, it's just, you know, the, the day after the season ends, coaches get fired. So, going to put it out on the table. How many coaches do we think are getting fired? And who might be replacements? Uh, I'll, let, I'll let you take the floor. Who, who do you think is definitely gone? And who do you think might replace some of these guys? I mean, as far as definitely gone, we know that John Fox will be gone. Pagano in, in Indianapolis will be gone. Marvin Lewis, it's assumed that he's going to be gone. McAdoo's already going. I'd, I think that Cutter's going to get fired, especially if the Gruden, the groomers continue to get as hot as they are. And it sounds like he wants to seriously come back and has a job to walk into. I think that Cutter will be gone. Uh, and then as far as team, I think so. You got Bears, the Colts, the Bengals, the Giants, the Buccaneers. So five teams I think are slam dunks to get rid of their coaches. And then you've got some dark horse ones over here like the Broncos and Vance Joseph. I don't think the Jets should fire Todd Bowles, but they might. There was reports on Sunday that the Raiders are 50-50 on Jack Del Rio, so I don't know what's going on there. You never know what Daniel Snyder and what he's going to do with Jay Gruden. You get the Browns. I think that at some point John Dorsey's going to have to make the call. If you're Jimmy Haslam, just let John Dorsey make the call. If he wants to fire Hugh Jackson, let him fire him. If he wants to keep him, let him keep him. But you have to let John Dorsey make that call. And that's going to go a long way in maybe correcting some of these mistakes that the Browns have gotten themselves into as far as a line of thinking. Uh, Bruce Arians, you don't know if he's going to come back. There's reports yesterday that he's looking to part ways with the team. And I think we've been predicting that most of the season, that it's going to be a respectful, mutual parting. Maybe he gets a front office job. Uh, and there's some people that are saying he'll go back to Indianapolis. I don't think that's going to happen. And then uh, just looking at Houston, of course, I think that O'Brien should be gone. And then... Uh, Detroit in Green Bay. Don't think that they'll fire their coaches, but you're looking at a healthy amount of teams that could be changing head coaches here. J- uh, Jay Glazer on the Sunday Fox show said that he's predicting 14 openings. I think that's a bit much. Yeah, but the, I, I would that would be a record. No, yeah, but I wouldn't Easy. be surprised if we see a number greater than five. I would say less than somewhere in the five to ten range. It would make sense, and I think we've talked about this before. The success of Sean McVay in Los Angeles is going to motivate a lot of these teams, especially if you're a team with a younger quarterback that you want to get developed. You're going to see teams try to go after coordinators, try to go after quarterbacks coaches, try to go after, quote-unquote, the next Sean McVay. So, I mean, how many many teams do you think are going to open up? I think it's going to be between 5 to 10, mostly because of the McVay factor, but what about you? Yeah, I think I have about eight teams right in that range. Yeah, if you go down the list, we don't have to go too into this, but I think the Colts, no question, are going to have an opening. We know the Bengals are going to have an opening. The Giants already have an opening. Uh, There are some teams I think should fire their head coaches. I think the Broncos should move on. I think Vance Joseph is awful, but I think he stays. I think the Raiders are going to keep Del Rio. They just gave him a four-year contract Mm -hmm. in February. Right. He's going to move on from that already, plus they're just – Kind of cheap franchise. It happened throughout the years to coaches. Um, so there are some other obvious ones. I think the Jets are going to fire Bulls. I don't think they should, but I think they will. Um, I, the Redskins are interesting because Snyder, you just never know what he's going to do. No. Um, I think he stays, but you know that that's a that's a fluid situation. I think Arians is gone by on his own accord. I think he's going to walk. I don't think someone's going to fire. I think I agree with you. I think Cutter's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bill Bryant should absolutely be gone. Anyone who listens to this knows that opinion. Hugh Jackson, the same thing. I think he should be gone. Whether or not they are, who knows. 
As far as guys to replace, you know, like we, we've heard a lot about McDaniels uh, out of New England and Matt Patricia out of New England, the offensive and defensive coordinators, respectively. Uh, I think McDaniels, you can give him another job. My only question with McDaniels is, like, his success has been largely tied throughout his career to be next to Tom Brady yeah. and Bill Belichick. And that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you look at guys who have come out of there and had head coaching jobs, it's been a miserable failure almost every single time. Okay? Like, you look at guys who have come out of that, and it's been Bill O'Brien. It's And he, of course, went to Penn State afterwards. We started there. You know, it's been Romeo Cornell. It's, it's been one disappointment, Eric Mangini, after another. Um, so I'd be a little weary about the guys out of New England. That's just my opinion. Matt Patricia, I me, mean, I don't understand. The defense is awful. Yeah. I, to me, I, I don't see it. Um, you know, there are some other guys. We talked about Terrell Austin. I think he's a really good candidate. I'd love to see him get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the Chiefs, Matt Nagy is certainly going to be in the conversation. I think he's going to be a, a tremendous head coach. And Andy Reid, there's a long line of guys who've come out of Andy Reid for you who've been very good coaches. Ron Rivera, uh, John Harbaugh, uh, Doug Peterson right now. Yeah. So I think there are some options there. I think the Chiefs, I'd, as a Chief fan, I'd hate to see him lose Nagy because that team was a dumpster fire offensively for two months. And then we said, I don't know what to do. Throw my hands up. Here you go, Matt. Take a chance. And they scored 30 points a game since he's been back in the, the saddle. So the other guy actually to watch with the Chiefs as well is Dave Tobe, mm-hmm. special teams coach. Special teams coaches typically don't get a lot of love in these situations, although John Harbaugh was a special teams coach under Reed. Obviously, it's worked out. Uh, Tobe's been talked about for years. He was there in Chicago with Devin Hester. Of course, now in Kansas, he's done a great job. I think he goes to Indianapolis because mm. Chris Ballard is there. I also think Nagy's involved in that conversation. Well, I think one of those two guys ends up in Indy, but Ballard and Tobe, uh, there's been a lot of talk about that uh, quietly. You know, I think I think that's a that's an interesting fit. I think he's a very interesting candidate. And by the way, he'd also be a candidate in Chicago when John Fox gets to boot. Mm. He was coach here. Uh, our buddy Benjamin Albright said that there's already certainly been talked that th- those two teams will be the most rumored. Uh, I heard the same thing with Indianapolis. Chicago didn't hear, but I, I trust Ben's uh, knowledge. And frankly, connected dots, it just makes sense. It'd be an interesting fit. So those are some guys to watch. Um, you know, Jim Bob Cooter in Detroit. The name is the name is ridiculous, but the resume is, is there. Um, so and, and Jim Schwartz, uh, defense coordinator of the Eagles. I don't like him as a head coach, personally. I thought he did a blah job in Detroit, but uh, he'll, he'll be in the mix. And then, of course, Groot. Yeah, so I you know talked about it last week, but Jim Schwartz feels like a Chicago hire. I think that they might go with somebody else, you know, a Tobe or somebody like that. But it just feels like, you know, he, he could come in, knows the NFC North, that kind of thing. A couple of other names that I was looking at. Uh, Nagy was a guy who kind of fits the mold of coordinator who's going to be, a, a, you know, a younger guy, teams going to want to go after. John Filippo, I think, is going to get far more phone calls from head, uh, from teams this offseason directly because of Sean McVay. And it, it's tied so tremendously to McVay because he's developed Wentz. And, you know, McVay and his success with golf, that's been a big reason why everybody has fallen in love with him. The offense was really good. There's, there's, there's some, you know, debate about whether it's, you know, Frank Reich or whoever's running the offense because he's the, the, uh, the Eagles offensive coordinator. You, you know, maybe he's going to get some calls, but I think Filippo is the type of guy that is an under-the-radar enough candidate who's going to get a lot of phone calls. And I wouldn't sleep, if you're looking for the next Sean McVay, I would not sleep on Matt LaFleur, who is the Rams offensive coordinator. And last year, before he joined McVay's staff in Los Angeles, 
He was the quarterback's coach for Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta for Matt Ryan's MVP season. So he has a track record of success here. So you got Matt Ryan. He's been able to develop him. I mean, you credit Shanahan a lot with that, but he's learned from Shanahan, and he was involved in the development of Matt Ryan during his MVP season. And then you look at what he does with Goff this year, working with him, quarterback coach comes over, starts running the offense, high-scoring offense in football, they're blowing teams out, good teams, like, you know, they go up to Seattle and hang a bunch of points on them. Everybody's crediting McVay, as they should, he's the coach of the year, but if you want to look for the next McVay, just look on his staff. You don't have to go and find some, like, you know, scout who's studying tape in the basement and be like, this is the guy, which, you know, you might be. Just look at right there, Matt LaFleur, he's got a, a track record of success. Uh, another guy that I really like is uh, the Vikings defensive coordinator, uh, uh, Edwards. George Edwards, I think? Yeah. Um, I would not sleep. Everybody's talking about Pat Shermer getting a job, and rightfully so, because you look at what he did with Case Keenum. That's the type of thing that somebody gets a job for. I see, I think Shermer, I have Shermer going to either Cincinnati or Denver, because he's walking into a similar situation, especially in Denver, where you've got a really, really good defense, and all you need to do is develop a quarterback to not get in his own way. And that's kind of what he's done in Minnesota with, with Case Keenum. He's got a really good defense, and he's managed to make a quarterback not get into his own way, and they're going to probably go to the Super Bowl here. Um, uh, Edwards, as far as where he could go, I don't think he's going to get a head coaching job. But if the job opens up in Oakland, I think he makes a lot of sense there. And I, I, the only reason I think that is because of this. You look at him and you say, oh, the Raiders, they're going to need to hire an offensive guy. They need to develop Amari Cooper. They need to develop uh, Derek Carr. They have a really, really good defense that has been really, really bad. Okay, You get a defensive coordinator in there. Vikings defense, one of the best units in the league. It's really, really good. Zimmer's a big part of that. Edwards is too. But Zimmer, Zimmer is a defensive head coach who has come in, and he has developed that defense and turned the offense around by finding the right guy to turn the offense around. Edwards doesn't need to be the head coach who comes in and develops Derek Carr. He's learned from Zimmer that you can go in, play to your strengths, and then find the best guy to do the job you can. If the Raiders hire Edwards and they hire a really good offensive coordinator, I think that you're looking at a good team. Now that's, of course, that's way out there, but... Aw, you didn't have to go so all out for my birthday. Yes, we did. Because birthdays are about showing your friends how much you care for them and how grateful you are for their... This is Jamie from Progressive. No, this is a great time. Progressive protects you 24-7. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry that happened. <clears throat> Jamie. Can you hold on one second? Uh, I gotta take this call. But remember, birthdays are about togetherness. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. Those are just a couple of names that I think, if you're looking for somebody who's not a Josh McDaniels, who isn't a, home, a John Gruden, a home run pick, Start looking at some of those guys because they're going to be the ones because of Sean McVay who are going to be getting a lot of calls. Yeah, okay, and I'll, I'll wrap up here quick. I think one other guy to watch maybe uh, is Todd Walsh, defense coordinator for the Jaguars. He's 49 years old. He's been the assistant for 11 years. He's bounced from Tampa to Seattle, now to Jacksonville. He's been the defensive coordinator of them for the last two years, and they've been pretty damn good as a defense. He's 49 Right in that sweet spot. little, you know, for a first-time guy. But certainly if he's good, you could have it for 15 years. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he comes up. But I think Todd Walsh is another name to listen. By the way, as we're recording this, uh, you know, just we talked about the game earlier. The Chiefs are going to start Patrick Mahomes in Denver. So uh, that era, uh, not beginning, but uh, getting a little glimpse into it. 
And as a Chief fan, let me say, I look forward to, if he plays poorly, people screaming that he's a bust at halftime. And if he plays great, to people screaming that he's starting the playoffs. Um, okay, so on that, let's get into the playoffs here a little bit. We don't know any of the specific matchups yet. Uh, nobody's locked into that. Well, let's just talk about the NFC. We've talked all year long. It's a wide-open conference. There's a lot of good teams. Anybody who gets in has got a shot. In the AFC, it's different. Pittsburgh and New England have been the favorites for most of the year. The Chiefs at the beginning, they came back to the pack. Now they're, now they're coming on strong again. Jacksonville, there's been a difference of opinion with everybody. There's been talk about, hey, look, they're, they're good enough to, to get there because of his defense and Leonard Fournette. And other people say, look, now, come on, you got Blake Bortles. Kansas City, again, started 5-0, and looked like the Super Bowl favorite, then was atrocious for two months. Then all of a sudden now, won three straight games. They look good. They win the West. Josh, what say you about which teams that could be playing on wild card weekend in either conference? Which teams do you think are teams that could really challenge and make a run, maybe get to the Super Bowl? And which teams are teams you look at and say, hey, look, maybe they can win a game, but that's about it. Uh, well, right off the bat, you can say I don't see Tennessee or Baltimore winning their games. I don't see them winning a single playoff game, uh, assuming Tennessee gets in. If, if the Chargers get in, I could see them going on a bit of a run, uh, just because you never know what you're going to get with Phillip Rivers, and that defense is really good. I mean, we've mentioned this before, but they're kind of a sleeper team. Not to get to the Super Bowl, but to, call it, to, to end a lot of dreams prematurely. They're, they're the team that gets in, you know, these last couple weeks of the season – as a Bucks fan, I'm watching them play spoiler for teams that want to get in. I think that the Chargers, if they get in, are a glorified spoiler. They're, they are an infection that gets in and starts killing off all of these, you know, sorts of survivors. You see all the survive, who's going to survive commercials for the Super Bowl. I think that the Chargers are the, the, a variable that gets in that you should maybe be careful about in the AFC. And on the NFC side, like you said, it's, it's impossible to see a quote-unquote favorite. I think if you're looking at a team that maybe won't make a run, I worry about Atlanta. I worry about what Matt Ryan is going to do. Like, I go back to that Thursday night game that they played against New Orleans, and that's a game that they ended up winning, uh, the, the Falcons did, but not because of Matt Ryan. He was throwing interceptions left and right, and it wasn't like, uh, you know, fluky interceptions. He was throwing bad passes, and that reminded me of the conversations we've had and a lot of people have had about the regression of the Falcons' offense. And it goes up, right now they're penciled in, should they get in, to go to L.A. and play the Rams. So cross-country game, already bad. You're playing a really good defense. And you're playing a team that, the Rams, okay, they're in the playoffs for the first time since 2003, I think. Um, maybe there's some jitters there. It's a young team. Goff's never played in the playoffs before. McVay, first-time head coach in the playoffs. The Falcons' offense really, really worries me. And I think if they somehow knock off the Rams, they then go to Philly. And as weird as Philly is, I don't think that they're going to win that game. But, so, point being, Atlanta's the one team I think you, you can make the best case for them not going on a run. Everybody else, I can easily see them going on a run. Even Atlanta, I guess, if they get to Philly. Because you never know what you're getting with Philly, so. I know this is wild. I... Like now we t- we're talking about wild card week, so I don't even. Get- I don't think Philadelphia's winning the game. I I do not trust Foles. I think if you're if you have any kind of defense against them, you're just going to force them to throw the football, and I I just don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the wild card weekend goes, look, I'm with you with with Tennessee and Baltimore and Buffalo. Frankly, 
I don't think any of those teams are winning the game. I think Baltimore is somewhat dangerous because they have the experience. They know how to win. Uh, and if they play Kansas City, it's a tough matchup for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs would beat them, but that's a tough that's a tough matchup because the Ravens are a very physical team. And the Chiefs sometimes against those teams struggle. That said, I, I just don't think the Ravens are going offense. I, I, I don't think – the Chiefs haven't given up more than 20 points uh, in like three years at Arrowhead except for one game. And I think the Chiefs are going to score 20. Um, so Baltimore, I, I would give them a little bit more of a shot than Tennessee and Buffalo, but not much. I'm with you with the Chargers. We've talked a lot about them. They're a very strange team. They, I can see them losing by 30 against Jacksonville. I could also see them going into that game and, and winning in a rout. And you know, you just sit there and say, what happened? How, how did that happen? So that, that's a possibility. In the NFC, like, we, like you said, it's, there's really no favorites. The only team, and I, they can win a playoff game, don't get me wrong. I, I just do, I've never been a big Carolina guy. I just, I don't trust Newton. And I know I always say, you know, you're a hater. I, I, I hate her. I'm, I just, he's not accurate. And he's way too many games where he throws for 169 yards. You're not going to beat good teams like that. And there's a very good chance that they're going to New Orleans in the first round. They've gotten crushed by New Orleans twice this year. I know there's that whole, well, third time thing. I don't care. New Orleans is a much better team. Um, so Carolina is the one team I just don't buy them. But uh, on the flip side of that, are there any teams playing, like, okay, let's go to the AFC, because we've established the NFC, I think we all agree, any of those teams, even from even Carolina, like, they're all good enough they can make a run. Yeah. In the AFC, we know Pittsburgh, we know New England. We've, we've already, we've talked about the Walker teams. Jacksonville and Kansas City, to me, are the wild card teams in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Do you think that either of those teams have the goods to make a real run in, in the playoffs and potentially get to a Super Bowl? I think Kansas City does. And it's not because, you know, you're, you're my friend and I'm somehow a closet Chiefs fan because of this. We're um, all closet Chiefs fans. Nobody wants to publicly admit it. You know, uh, it'd really be nice if you and your father could watch them win a Super Bowl before, you know, in your lifetime. We both jump off a building, yeah. But, uh, but it goes back to what you said. When the Chiefs are playing as good as we saw them play the first five weeks of the season, everything's firing. The defense is playing good. They're blocking for Kareem Hunt. Alex Smith isn't making bad decisions, and Andy Reid isn't making, as much as you don't like to hear about this, Cam Irving go out there and play, you know, a receiver. Um, The Chiefs are really, really good, and we watched them beat the Patriots in Foxborough earlier this year. Granted, first week of the season, that's always a weird game. It's it's not indicative of how the Patriots are going to play in the second round of the playoffs. That being said, I think that it gives the Chiefs a sort of confidence to go in there and say, hey, we did this once before, okay? And it, they're not really that different of a team. In fact, you know, they, they might be missing Chris Hogan. They might be missing some pieces. So, you know, Rex Burkhead, he's done. You know, so there's, it, they are kind of a different-looking team. I think that the Chiefs, they can go on a run if they get everything together. Jacksonville, I love the defense, but and I hate to say it because I don't, want, I don't wish bad things upon Jaguars fans, Everything that I've been trying to say about Blake Bortles, he proved right in San Francisco. He's an awful quarterback, and he's going to be an anchor. And that type of game he had against the 49ers, he can easily have in the playoffs, like you said, against Los Angeles, against the Chargers. He can easily go out there. The defense can hold him down. The defense can hold the offense. 
to 12, 16 points. It's a brutal, nasty game. But Bortles is out there, and every single time that defense gets a chance to take a, catch his breath on the sideline, he's got them right back out there because he just threw an interception that just boggles your mind. So I'm, I don't believe in them. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Look, I, I love their defense. I know obviously you do as well. The problem with Jacksonville is in the playoffs, you can't turn the ball over. You can't hide your weaknesses as well because in the playoffs, you're playing good teams. I think Jacksonville is going to, you know, they play Tennessee. I picked up a wax Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Tennessee's not even a playoff team. Whether or not they get in is going to be clear. Tennessee's absolutely horrendous. They're one of the worst playoff teams I've ever seen if the team makes the playoffs. But when they play a good team, New England, Pittsburgh, even the Chiefs, you need to be able to protect the ball, and you need to be able to make explosive plays in the playoffs. And you can get those on defense, but it's harder, okay, because your teams typically take better care of the football. You need to be able to win the game and not simply not lose it. And that's why game managers come playoff time, they go home, which leads me perfectly into the Chiefs, okay? <laughs> Alex Smith has been a game manager his entire career. His whole career, he's always been safe and cautious and careful. And he has had one of the strangest years I could ever remember. He looked like an MVP for five weeks. Then he was so bad in the middle of the year that I actively was starting a campaign to get him benched. I, I couldn't take watching him anymore. He was, he was abysmal. Now, the last couple, basically the last month, to be fair, the last four games, he's been tremendous. So you walk away from that saying, I don't know what to take below. One, one thing I will say for him, okay, he has been much, much more willing to throw the ball down the field this year. Mm. He has 4,000 yards passing for the first time in his career. He's sixth in the league with 4,042 yards. But more impressively, when you look at yards per attempt, the average quarterback is somewhere high sixes to low sevens. Smith is fourth in the league at eight yards even per attempt. He's completing 67.5% of his throws, and he has 26 touchdowns. But here's the key, to five picks. He has fewer interceptions than anybody who's been the starter for the majority of their season, save for Tyrod Taylor, who's four picks. Okay, But Tyrod Taylor is 25th in the league in yards per attempt. Okay, And he only has 13 touchdowns, complete 62%. Smith has been, outside of a month in the middle of the year, where he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, he's been tremendous. And that's why I do think the Chiefs have a real chance in the playoffs. The Chiefs are the first team and the only team since 1981 to have a 4,000-yard quarterback, a 1,000-yard running back, a 1,000-yard receiver, and a 1,000-yard tight end. The 1981 San Diego Chargers did it. The Chiefs are the only team to ever do it uh, uh, other than them. Kareem Hunt is second in the league in rushing. Okay, he's probably not going to play this week. Todd Gurley will, so he won't finish with the with the rushing title. But he's second. He averages four point eight yards a carry. Tyreek Hill is tenth, in, or excuse me, sixth in the league in receiving with uh, eleven hundred eighty three yards, and Kelsey is eleventh at uh, one thousand thirty eight. My point is, the Chiefs, unlike previous years, could get into a shootout with New England and win. Yeah, and that's where I think they're dangerous. The defense has been much better the last couple of weeks. They're starting to get pressure. They've shut down the run. They've been a top-five run defense since they played Dallas. Look, I think the Chiefs are too inconsistent to go to the Super Bowl because I just can't imagine them winning three straight games, especially two in New England and Pittsburgh. But if there's one team in the AFC that is good enough to do it, it's Kansas City. 
So I wouldn't write them off, but I don't think they're a, a co-favorite with New England and Pittsburgh. I think they're that notch below, but I do think they're more likely to do it than Jacksonville. Yeah, and look, everybody's saying, man, but the, the Jaguars went up to Pittsburgh and they won earlier this year. Blake Bortles threw 95 yards in that game. Yeah, I, and, and, and not to cut, Ben Roethlisberger's not throwing five picks. No. I mean, Jacksonville won that. I watched that game. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville was atrocious offensively. Right. And, and everybody's little Fournette ran for 180 yards. He had 90 of it was on the last carry of, of a game that was already over. Mm-hmm. So, I, sorry, go ahead. But I, no. yeah, I don't buy that. No, I mean, yeah, that's, that's exactly the point. It's like, it's hard enough to beat a team twice in a season. It's especially hard when you're the Jaguars and that team you're trying to beat is the Steelers. Again, not to take away from the Jaguars. I think that they've got a really good defense. And honestly, if you're a Jaguars fan, light at the end of the tunnel, you guys are going to be picking at the end of the first round, still going to get Lamar Jackson. And that's going to be incredible next year. Like I thought at the beginning of the year, oh, they're going to they're going to be awful this year. The defense is really good, but they're going to get Jackson high in the draft. They're probably going to get him at 26, 27, 28, wherever they end up picking, maybe 24. Then that's going to be the future. So there's light at the end of the tunnel for the Jaguars. You're in the playoffs, probably definitely going to beat Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I agree with every point that you said about the Chiefs. It's really, and this has been the story in the AFC all year long, it's a three-team race to the Super Bowl. And it's still Steelers, Patriots, Chiefs. And not a whole lot has changed my mind about that. And, I, and like I said, I, want to, yeah, I think Pittsburgh and, and New England are the favorites because mm-hmm. they have buys, they're at home. You know, but the Chiefs are the one team. And honestly, not any buys. I mean, just, the, the Chiefs are the one team that could go in. And they can do some things. Defensively, Marcus, by the way, Marcus Peters, since he was suspended, he's been unbelievable since he's, he, he forced another fumble on Sunday against the Dolphins. He recovered another fumble on a different play against the Dolphins. Against the, against the Chargers, he had two picks and a forced fumble. So he's been out of his mind. Darrell Revis has actually played very well for the Chiefs. Uh, and yeah, they have Justin Houston, they have Chris Jones. Listen. I don't think they get to the Super Bowl because I just don't think they're consistent enough. But if the Chiefs play their best game for three weeks straight or even play close to it, they're interesting. So, Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. That being said, let's go through the uh, 425 games here, and, and we'll spend you know, a little time on some more than others. Quickly on this game, Seattle 9.5 point favorite over Arizona. Uh, they won't know their fate. You know, because Atlanta plays a four twenty five as well, so Seattle's gonna be playing hard. Anyway, Seattle's won the game. No. Okay. <laughs> Same. Uh, Buffalo at Miami. Miami is officially eliminated. Buffalo a favorite. A favorite. Excuse me by three points. Uh, the Bills. I take them to win this game. I think they'll fight hard. I think they, they'll know that everything's on the line. But uh, frankly, I wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins found a way at home. But I take the Bills, and the Bills are a better team, and they're playing for something. I'm going to take the Bills, too, but I agree. I it wouldn't shock me if this game ends up being something that, the, you know, Sean McDermott finds a way to lose. And that's just, you know, he started making so Peter. So, like, 14-9 so. game. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I think the Bills will win, but I'm not confident in it. Baltimore, 9.5-point favorite over Cincinnati. Another game kind of, I feel like, with Buffalo and Miami. Like, I, like look, Baltimore should kill the, the Bengals. They shut them out week one. They saw each other in Cincinnati. 
But I got to say, this is a kind of game. I can see us looking up at the fourth quarter, and it's like 17-16, and Flacco's throwing the ball 40 times for a buck 30. You know, I'm taking Baltimore to win. But again, I'm taking the Bengals to cover, and I would not be shocked if Cincinnati wins this game. The Bengals, they're not they're not good, but they are talented. Like, they're, they're a weird team. I'm going to take the Ravens to win, too, but I have a nightmare scenario where the Bengals end on a two-game winning streak this year, and old Marvin Lewis comes back for one more year. <laughs> that's old, the, old that's how he's managed to stay in this job. Uh, so old, old Mo rides again. <laughs> uh, okay, staying in the AFC, Jacksonville at Tennessee. Tennessee, three-and-a-half point favorite in this game. Uh, look, for me, this game is in Tennessee. Tennessee's playing for its life. Jacksonville's playing for nothing. By the way, we talked about coaches earlier. If Tennessee loses this game, Malarkey should be fired. I mean, how could you how could you be eight and four in this conference and not make the playoffs? But I, I think the Titans win. I if, if Jacksonville plays hard, I would pick Jacksonville. But I, I think Jacksonville would like to see Tennessee. So I think Jacksonville lays there. I think that Jacksonville wins. Um, even if Tennessee wins, I think they got to get rid of Malarkey. This is two straight years now that they've been in the playoff hunt in the last couple of weeks of the season. They kind of controlled their own fate and then just crapped the bet. So, and that's, and you're talking about guys we just talked about, you want to develop your young quarterback with the next McVay. Uh, I, I think that Tennessee is one of those jobs that you can go in and do something with, with Marcus Mariota. Uh, but I think that Jacksonville's going to win. I think, like you said earlier, they're going to try to get that taste of that 49ers game out of their mouth. And they better, because you can't go into the playoffs with two straight losses like that. They, that's just going to close the coffin even more than it already is on them. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and you know what? I gave Milwaukee a good grade last year, 9-7. and seven. I thought that team was turning it around. But this year, come on. you you got to be better than this. This team, this team stinks. Mario is taking a gigantic step back. If there's any reason to fire more than any other it's because Mario's development's been stuck. Um, okay, we already talked about Kansas City and Denver. Kansas City's three and a half point underdog. Uh, I'm taking the Broncos. Hill's taking the Chiefs. Uh, but, of course, Patrick Mahomes is starting as a Chief fan. Uh, if he wins the game, here's, a, here's an unbelievable statistic. I hope everybody, if you're driving, don't go off the road. The Chiefs have not won, a, have not won any regular season game or playoff game since 1987 with their own quarterback to helm, with the quarterback they've drafted to helm. So I was born in 1988. If they win this game, this will be the first time in my life the Chiefs <laughs> have won a game with the quarterback they've drafted. Oh, man. Paxton Lynch is the guy you want to go up. You do. <laughs> you feel good about <laughs> Paxton Lynch getting involved for your Chief fan. Okay. New Orleans at your Buccaneers. Saints favored by seven. Got to win it to clinch the division. I'm sorry. I think the Saints win going away. Uh, your fault. I think the Saints win going away, too. Uh, Kamara, he's, you're going to want to get those guys. Kamara and Ingram are going to want to go into the playoffs hot. You know you're playing the first week, and you know you're probably going to play either Atlanta or Carolina. So you're going to want to get as, uh, tighten down the, the screws as much as possible. I'd love it if the Bucks played spoiler here, but at the same time, I think it's going to be another situation which we saw in Carolina last week where I think Tampa plays well. I think that they play New Orleans very well. I think it's a tight game. I foresee it being kind of like what we saw, where it's going to be maybe 21-17. We're getting there at the end of the, the end of the game. The Bucks have a chance to win it, and they don't. Um, James Winston maybe is not going to lose his head this time. Although I will say about James Winston, everybody's somehow saying that him losing his mind against Carolina was, was a negative. You don't want to see your, your franchise quarterback 
crying on the sideline. I mean, he was essentially having a, uh, having a hissy fit. But it was different from the situation he got into the last time that they played the Saints. You know, when he was doing the thing with, I forget who it was, maybe it was Lattimore. Where he it was, was Lattimore. Where yeah. he was trying to, like, you know, do the old sibling thing and get in his face and he was being a real putz about it. And it just turned into this whole fight. This was different because he wanted to win that game against Carolina. They had that game won, and they lost it. And say what you will about whatever the fumble was, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. What I care about is Jameis Winston cares. And yep. that's what I saw. I didn't see a quarterback throwing a hissy fit and being jealous of Cam Newton. You damn right you should be jealous of Cam Newton. Cam Newton's an MVP and played in the Super Bowl. You should absolutely be jealous of Cam Newton if you're, yep. if you're Jameis Winston. And I like that. I like that he's got that fire. And uh, I'm looking forward to whoever the head coach is next year. Uh, oh, I know you're John Gruden. Uh, okay, so 425 game will matter. We'll see if it matters at the end of the day. The Chargers hosting the Raiders. I have a feeling that's going to feel like a road game for the Chargers. Uh, the Raiders are eight point dogs in the game. I like the Chargers to absolutely roll the Raiders something fierce in this game. The Raiders, they, you know, it's amazing to think this. This division. Three weeks ago, it was the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders all 6-6. Six and six. The Chiefs couldn't win a football game. Everybody thought the Chargers were a top-five team in the league. And the Raiders all of a sudden controlled their own destiny. Well, the Raiders have lost three since. The Chiefs have won three since. The Chargers 2-1, uh, but you know can't, can't win the division, can only play for a wild-card spot. I think the Chargers went big in this game. I just To me, the Raiders are dead as a door now. I, I, I like the Chargers. To win and at least give themselves a chance as we go into the latter portion of Sunday. Yeah, I mean, look, the Raiders, we've said it all year long. If the defense is Cleo Mack and Ted Road Cones, it's just, it's not good. I don't think they're going to fire Del Rio. I agree with you there, but I can see if they lose this game, that conversation's only going to get hotter and hotter. And Del Rio, come next to the start of next season, I think he's going to be a guy that you're talking about where he's already on the hot seat to start the season. So Here's a hot take in a podcast that prides itself on never giving hot. I don't. I don't think Derek Carr's good. And I don't, is that even a hot take? Maybe, maybe I was going to say maybe, maybe that that's not even a hot take at this point. You know, everybody talked about him as being an MVP candidate last year, and when he got signed to a five-year, one-twenty-five extension, I wrote a piece on Fansided that basically said, "Look, I, I know some of the Raiders did. I think they had to do it, but he's not worth that kind of money. He's just not." Now, I, I, why I understand it is because let's face it, in the NFL today, if you're even a borderline good quarterback, you're going to get paid. So I understand why the Raiders are like, look, we have to pay him with the market bears. And so $25 million, hey, it's the way it is. I thought, and I know we've talked about this a ton, um, I always thought last year the Raiders looked a charmed life. They won a lot of games that were crazy, wild. I mean, they beat your bucks. It took 23, 24 penalties. The first week of the field goals by yeah. Jankowski. Yeah, first week of the year, they, they won a two-point conversion in the final minute. It was just a weird year. And I thought Derek Carr being in the MVP candidacy was crazy because he didn't throw 4,000 yards last season. So, look, to me, Derek Carr, I think, is a, is a decent quarterback. I believe I had him 16th in my quarterback rankings this week, also on fan side, every Tuesday. Um, I think it's about what he is. He's about a league average quarterback. And my concern is, look, the Raiders have had a very good offensive line ahead of him. Right? They've got Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, Clutch Assembly, Donald Penn, I mean, you name it, the, the Pro Bowl, all pro type players. When that offensive line has struggled at times this year, he's been awful. Mm-hmm. Not like mediocre, like awful. 
That's a major concern from the Raiders because if that as that line gets older, if he's got to make more plays, a la Russell Wilson, you know, a la Matt Stafford, can, can he do that? That quarterback coach combination in the NFL is everything. Car Del Rio, it's not bad, but it's not it's not very good. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't look at that and say that's a team that is going to bounce back and go to a Super Bowl. Like to me, that's a team that caps at like ten wins in a normal year. Well, and I'll, I'll wrap it up on this, but uh, with Matt LaFleur, the Rams offensive coordinator, when I wrote the piece on Sunday for Fansided, one of the teams I mentioned was the Raiders because it feels like an old Al Davis hire to go out and get this young, hot coordinator to come in. And, you know, I, I mentioned his, his track record. Matt Ryan, quarterback's coach, MVP season. Offensive coordinator, Jared Goff, best offense in football, highest scoring offense in football. Get him, Mark Davis, Channel the old Al Davis hire. Hires because you remember Al Davis hired uh, you know Lane Kiffin out of nowhere, and that was a that was a big hire. He's done that throughout his career, throughout his life. He was well known for that. And I think Mark Davis goes in, and you go not that far. You know, you just go to L.A., hire him, bring him in. You got a guy who's going to work with Derek Carr, who's going to work with Amari Cooper. Your next quote unquote Sean McVay. I think that that could work with Oakland, and I really think that you know the Davis family the way that they like to do that. Wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world. I don't think it does happen, but you know, if you're a Raiders fan and you're upset about Del Rio, you know, they say write your congressman. You know, start start calling Mark Davis. Make this happen. She's fair enough. Uh, last game, NFC West, the Niners at the Rams. The Niners are favored by two points at the Rams. How good is Jimmy Garoppolo? He's that good. Okay. So why are they favored realistically? Not because of Garoppolo. It's because the Rams aren't playing for much. They're not going to get a buy. Okay, there is going to be a three or four. They're the three right now. If if they lose this game, probably going to be a four. If I'm the Rams, I want to lose this game. Here's why. You lose, you likely draw Carolina in the first round. I think it's a good matchup for the Rams. If you then win that game, if other things hold, there's a very good chance you go to Philadelphia. And not Minnesota. If I'm the Rams, what what would you rather have? You know, pick your options like the old goosebumps book, mm-hmm. right? Like pick your ending. Give me Carolina and Philly all day long. Okay, they just played Philly. They, they know them well. They they scored 33 points. And look, I, I know they lost the game. Let's fit. Like if I'm the Rams, I'll take my chances in a rematch. So I think the Niners are going to win, and I think Niner fever is. To be through the roof. Coming. I mean, there's going to be people picking them to go 13-3. Which, by the way, I love the Niners' future. I love Shanahan. love Garoppolo. I think it's a great job by them to get those guys. The 49ers next year are going to be better. They might be a playoff team. But let's just like, let's calm down. Okay? Like, I, I, I think they're really on the right track. But there is going to be some wild takes about that team next year. Like... Good team, exciting team, probably not a 13-win team yet, but like just keep that in mind. But I think the Niners win because I think the Rams lay down and the Niners play with a ton of confidence. Yeah, I mean, the best team in football isn't even in the playoffs so because it's the 49ers. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> That's right. Come on. You know, whoever wins the Super Bowl, asterisk that one. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that the 49ers are going to win this one. Um, not so much because they're the better team than the Rams. I think that they go out and they get another big confidence-boosting win. And they are a good team. Like, I think they are 
probably at this point, you could make a case that they're the second best team in the NFC West right now. Like right now, not over the course of the season. Right now, if you put you stack up that division, I go Rams and I go 49ers, and then you know they're kind of tied with the Seahawks there. But um, but I, I completely agree with you. And the Rams, you talked about a rematch, wanting that rematch. I know it's on the road. I know it's you know they beat them the first time. They beat them the first time because of Carson Wentz. They didn't play Nick Foles at first. They played Nick Foles for like maybe 50, you know five minutes. So I would take that rematch too if I was uh, if I was the Rams. And, yeah, I mean, th- that scenario we've talked about numerous times, the Rams going to Philadelphia is, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to say because it's the number one seed, but I think that that's their easiest path to getting to the NFC Championship game. Is, you know, and then who knows? You know, something strange happens with Minnesota. Maybe they get bumped off in the divisional round. You never know. So I, I, I really do like that. And, you know, Philly, I said it a couple weeks ago, and it makes it even more true now with Nick Foles. Everything about them just screams – Cowboys from last year. Hot team going into the playoffs. Everybody's picking them to go to the Super Bowl. Sexy pick. Lose their first game. Aaron Rodgers isn't here to do it that time, but, you know, Nick Foles is your quarterback. So I think that they'll be competitive. I don't think that they win. Um, but, yeah, that's it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And we can't wait for Week 17. Uh, we can wrap it up right there. Look, I... I love Week 17 in the NFL. Yeah, you get some clunker games. You know, everybody's jacked up, I'm sure, for Texans Colts. But I love watching how everything plays out as as the year, or excuse me, as the day goes on. These playoff scenarios, teams are fighting for everything. I just, I just think it's so much fun. I think the NFL did a great job putting them all at 425. That is just going to be awesome because you know the way this year's gone. Some upset's going to happen. You're going to be. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Lord, by so that in mind, enjoy week 17. If the team's not going to the playoffs, hey, listen, enjoy the last week, watch your team, root for your team, and then hope they get better in the offseason. If your team has a shot to go to the playoffs, good luck to you. And if your team is already in the playoffs, hey, you know what? You've got one more week, and then it really gets going at the top 12 teams in the league, you're going to get after it. So exciting times for Josh Hill. I am Matt Verderan. This is the Stack in the Box podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Leave us a comment uh, and please rate it as well. And if you ever want to chat with us or send us a question, by all means, uh, first.lastname at fansided.com. We'll be happy to get back to you or just follow us on Twitter. So thank you very much for listening and enjoy week 17 in the NFL season. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.